You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 99. If we look back past the sort of early 20th century analytic model as it grew, dreams really were part of pretty much every culture. They were not seen as something weird or separate or don't pay any attention to it or whatever, mm-hmm. or that you needed an expert to tell you what it meant. Dreams are brought to the group in the Sufi tradition and the Native American tradition. They're integrated into the aspect of what it means to be alive. So that's, I think, you know, in whatever small way I can, that's what I want to bring back to the coaching community as well, is that this is just a part of our clients' lives. No more, no less. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, Star Coach listeners. It is once again fabulous to have you with us. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And Eureka, we have reached episode 99. It's hard for me to believe we're like one week away from our 100th episode. And I have to say that the joy that bringing this show to all of you has brought me, I feel selfish in all that I have gained from the show and hope that you have gained so much as well. And what I have gained is the opportunity to spend time with so many extraordinary coaches who do wonderful work across the world and honor this profession that we are in. And that is certainly true for the guest that's coming on the show today. So Will Sharon is joining us today for the first 13 years of Will's adult life. He worked in psychiatric facilities. So both Will and I have that clinical social work background. He was a teacher in a children's unit. He was then a therapist at the Veterans Administration, and he holds a social work clinical degree. Will has this varied background that brings such a breadth of knowledge and experience to his coaching. He's been an actor, a bartender, a law student, and spent time in corporate America until he kind of found himself in coaching. And he'll, he'll talk about his journey in that. But Will's niche is something very special. He works with his clients to better understand the inner wisdom that's coming to them through their dreams. And he's going to talk to us about how we can help clients tune into that inner wisdom. He gives us incredible stories and dreams to consider that that he has worked with clients around. It's just a fascinating interview. It was incredible to spend time with Will around this special work that he does. He really leverages the power of dreams through the coaching process and 
helps empower his clients through that process. So I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. It was a wonderful interview and I want to share it with you. So let's go to our interview with Will Sharon. Will Sharon, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is so good to have you with us today. Oh, thanks so much, Meg. I really appreciate being here. Well, you are going to talk about an absolutely fascinating subject today. I know the audience is going to be thrilled to explore dreams with us today. I'd like to start with you giving us just a little bit of insight into what brought Will into coaching and coaching around dreams, but coaching initially. (laughs) Well, I had about a 13-year career doing clinical work, initially as a teacher and then as a clinical social worker at the VA. And so I was a therapist and I worked with dreams with a lot of guys who were coming back from the Vietnam War. And then I had about a 35-year corporate career. And at the end of that, I started thinking about recertifying my master's. And what I discovered, I was living in New York State at the time, was I, it would take me as long as it would take to get another master's, basically. Mm. And a friend of mine said, well, why don't you just get a coaching certificate? And so full disclosure, I had no clue what a coach was about or anything. And so I took this course. And what really turned my thinking about working with dreams 180 degrees is this, this, this simple and profound container of coaching, which is we see everyone as naturally whole, creative, and resourceful. Whereas I was seeing people in their pathology mm-hmm. years ago, right? So that began to get me thinking about, well, okay, well, how does working with dreams fit into that? And that's, I guess, the story that we're going to talk about today. But my entry into the coaching world was was by accident, really. And I'm delighted it happened because otherwise I'd be doing the same stuff I was doing 40 years ago. But what I find interesting about that is that the students that I work with, they tend to either come from like a clinical background or a corporate background or maybe something else. But the fact that you have both a corporate background and a clinical background, I think <laughs> you're very well-versed in the different kinds of clients you might work with. Let's talk about dreams and dreams in relation to coaching. Let's kind of start in that place of what's so powerful about dreams. Well, let me put it this way. So if you, we, we see our clients as, as naturally whole. And whole doesn't mean from 7.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Whole means 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And you have an experience when you're asleep. The neuroscientists will tell us that, that your brain chemistry is such that virtually everybody dreams. Whether you remember them or not is a different issue. So you have this experience. What is it? Well, in, in the way that I work, basically, these experiences are really messages from your soul. And that idea comes really from the Irish philosophers, people like John O'Donoghue, who basically says, look, the soul is not in the body, the body is in the soul. So we are, another way of looking at it is we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. You know, that's some Mm -hmm. phrase that's out there. So if that's the case, and, and that really is the hypothesis that I work on, then what is our soul trying to tell us? And invariably, our soul is trying to help us step into the next larger version of who we are. And so dreams, from that perspective, fall into one of two buckets. They are either diagnostic, and I can give you an example of that, or they're prescriptive. Diagnostic from the standpoint of saying, this is where you are. These are what I call table setter dreams, right? When somebody comes to me and they present a dream, it's like, usually it's the big picture of what the agenda is. So what would a diagnostic dream look like, an example of a diagnostic dream? So 
there was a woman who came to a workshop and, and any dream I talk to you about, obviously people have given me permission to use. Okay. So in her dream, she's in a van. She's got her two teenage sons in the back. She's driving along country road. She hits a traffic jam. It's a country road. Why would there be a traffic jam? But she can't move. She can't move. She can't move. Finally, she asks her older son to get out and see what's going on. So he gets out and he doesn't come back. And he doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. So then she gets out. She walks around the back of the van and she sees a body in the street. And her initial thought is, oh, my God, that's my son. And then she looks closer and realizes, no, 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 it's not him. But there are bodies underneath him. And that might be her son. And she gets so terrified, she wakes up. So we look at the emotional arc of that dream. And let me pause for a second and, and address what you just said, because I had the same reaction, right? We're parents. Yes. What's the worst possible thing that could ever happen to us, right? When something happens to our children. Exactly. So I got hooked the way you got hooked. And it took me a second to pull myself out of that and say, well, okay, what's the emotional arc of this dream? The emotional arc, arc of this dream is frustration, action, disaster. So I said to her, first of all, does that resonate with you? Do, you? do you hear this dream the way I do? Yeah. So what does that remind you of? She said, my life. Wow. Yeah. So what the dreamer is doing, and this is a nightmare, right? What the dreamer is doing is creating a movie to get your attention. And this woman had been stuck for a very long time. So the dreamer is going, okay, we have an audience now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you in living color. Where I'll get your attention. Where I'll get your attention. So that's a diagnostic. That, that's a very broad diagnostic dream. Okay. We have somebody who believes that if they take any kind of action, it's going to be a disaster. And it's probably going to have an impact on her family. Now, let me just put a footnote in here for your, your listeners. So some people say to me, well, you know, is that something about her sons? And is this, you know, if there were more interaction in the dream between her and her sons, mm -hmm. if there was, if the son had more presence, that would be an alley we could go down. Mm -hmm. But my sense in her telling me the dream is that in a way, and I don't mean this in the sense that her, she sees her children as props, she doesn't, but they were sort of props in the dream, right? Right. They weren't the players. She was the player. And so that's, that is a diagnostic dream. That gives us a sense of what the agenda is. And what well, you, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the other thing about that is you, you sort of laid out what your hypothesis was. And if the client had said, no, that doesn't ring true for me, that yeah. would be very different. But she was like, well, that's my life. You just right. described my life. <laughs> yeah, so then right. it's like, bingo, what are we doing yeah. now? Right. And it's a good point. It's like, I mean, dream work is like any other part of coaching. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I make a suggestion based on what I thought I heard and somebody goes, no. And then we try something else. But this dream, and here's the interesting thing, right? So she didn't have an audience for her dreams before other than herself, mm -hmm. but she knew she was coming to this workshop, right? And that's my experience is a lot of times people say, well, I don't really remember my dreams. It's like, okay, let's just set up a session. And then boom, you know, they have something in, in living color. Because, that because they've sort of set that up and our brains are absolutely phenomenal. It's like, oh, okay, let me give you something to work with. Right. Now there's an audience for this, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's somebody who really wants to listen to this. So, so that's a diagnostic dream. A prescriptive dream is more along the lines of, they're really prescriptive from the standpoint of saying, well, you know, walk three blocks, take a right turn, and there's a job of your dreams. It's more like you know, I, I did a video that I just posted about a guy. He was a hedge fund manager. He really didn't work with dreams very much. And he didn't like his job. And, you know, we kind of looked around for, well, what really 
you know, with his fire and he wanted to raise dogs, but he had three properties and a mortgage to pay and blah, 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 blah. And that was all impossible. And so we just worked on, well, let's make it a hobby. And the dream started coming with the dogs. And we would ask, we would go into the dream and ask the dogs why they were there. And the dogs would say, we're waiting for you. It was impossible. And then his company went out of business. Okay, now what? Well, now he's raising dogs in Connecticut. I mean, so what happens, I think, also with dreams is they help you begin to build an infrastructure, right? That's what I see all the time with people. I think this is not just with dreams. I think it's in coaching as well. It's Mm -hmm. this guy, you know, knew everything there was to know about raising dogs, and, and then he got the opportunity to do it. And so, you know, I even look at my life. I was in New York City for 40 years. I moved out to Santa Fe. In a week, I meet Anne. And then we get our dog, Jack, and two weeks later, and now we bought a house. And it was like, boom, 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 right? Because you kind of opened yourself up to it. Just like when he started talking to you about the dogs, it began to open up possibilities that were sort of worked through in his dreams, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even though it didn't seem possible, he had, he had the information. He had learned a lot of stuff about what he wanted, really wanted to do mm-hmm. before he had the opportunity to do it. And I don't know, we could talk about, we could talk about going back into dreams. You want to do? Yeah, that? let's talk okay. about, so, so when you're working with a client, you've given us a couple examples of the kinds of dreams. How do you then work with a client? You said you go back into the dream. Let's talk about that. Okay. So this is a difference really between the therapeutic model and the coaching model of working with dreams. Mm -hmm. In the therapeutic model, the dream I'm going to tell you, we would analyze the dream and we would try to derive meaning from the dream. That's that's very Jungian, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big book that tells you what everything means. So here's a dream. Woman is in her car driving to a meeting. She's not late yet, but could be if something goes awry. And then all of a sudden she's on a path in a park. And now she knows she's going to be late. So she's hurrying along and she's going around this curve and she's thinking, oh my God, what if I see a snake? Turns the corner and there's this gigantic snake and it rises up and sticks its face right in hers and she's so terrified she wakes up. Okay, another nightmare. Yeah, you know, thanks for sharing sure all these nightmares with us, Will. This is such a lovely way to spend our morning. Well, look, there's a silver lining here. So it turned out that she had been dreaming about snakes on and off for years and she came to the session, she said, well, I think this thing's my father. Now, it's not my dream, right? Okay, it could be your father. But I said, you know what? Let's go meet the snake. Well, how do you do that? Well, there's something called active imagination. And this is something that Jung is given credit for. We find it in the Mideast in the seventh century. It's an idea basically where, I mean, a dream is your imagination. Right. That's what it is, right? So you allow yourself to go back into your dream. And she went back into the dream we asked the snake to kind of step back a little bit because it was a little terrifying. Male or female? It was a male. Does it have a name? Yeah, it's Cole. And then I knew we were on the right track because your soul loves a pun, right? Cole the black snake. Why was the snake there? And he said, I'm trying to get you to stop and pay attention to me. And this is a woman whose life was run by everybody around her, her in-laws, her parents, her husbands. She was always in service to somebody. And she's a coach. She's a good coach, but couldn't really get it together. Well, that's also being in service to other people. So yeah, 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 right. So what we did is we animated the snake. It's her snake. It lives in her. It's her imagination. We didn't interpret the snake. Interpretation, if you want to, you know, bring it into the coaching world, what is that? Well, then I'm giving advice. You're giving me your experience and I'm telling you what it means. Well, we don't do that. Right. 
because we know that everybody has the, the resources and the creativity to run their own life. That's not our job. So it's, and, and I have to say, let me digress for a minute because you mentioned my corporate career. I, I was, uh, I got in a lot of involved in a lot of very sort of complex real estate and technology projects over the years. Mm-hmm. So highly cognitive, but I'm a clinical social worker. I don't know anything about that stuff, right? But I knew how to get a bunch of other people who did know to work together. But it was very much a cognitive issue for me, right? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how things fit together and what the answer is. It is 180 degrees for me. I am so relieved that I don't have to figure out somebody's dream. I have to help them figure out their dream. And there are tools. So if somebody were to say, isn't going into dreams therapeutic and not coaching, your answer to that would be it's the way that you respond or the way that you you partner with your client to work through their dream. It's co-created. It's like any other experience in their waking life. And you know that it really is a Venn diagram in terms of coaching and therapy. I mean, mm-hmm. we know this because you, you were a former therapist. It's like there's a lot of similarity. It's the, for me, it's the context. You know, mm-hmm. Am I working in a, a pathology framework? Am I working with somebody who doesn't have the ego strength to really navigate their way through life? Okay, now we're in therapy. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, the dream world is, you know, we can't relegate that to therapy. It's part of our experience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very much a part of that wholeness and that resourcefulness. So the answer might very well be in the dream, yeah. um, being supplied to the client by the client. Yep. And we just partner with them to help explore that. Yeah, absolutely. This might be a weighted question because I'm assuming and, you know, it's an assumption, so it could or could not, <laughs> that people know that you work with dreams. Therefore, you might get clients who are more inclined to work around dreams than perhaps somebody who isn't known to work around dreams. But in general, Will, how do you approach a client about potentially opening up that part of their life to you and in, in partnering with you around their dreams? Well, let me say, I mean, it is true that some people do come to me because they know that. I think so far in my practice, the majority of people don't know that. Good. That makes my question even better. <laughs> but then it's very simple. I just say, do you remember your dreams? And they go, yeah. <laughs> and I talk to them about, you know, just what we've been talking about, that it's an avenue we can go down. You know, we can see what happens or not. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like if you don't dream, I, I can't be your coach. Um, you won't share your dreams with me. <laughs> stage left. Right. But I just ask, you know, and it's interesting to me, you know, Meg, that coaches ask me, well, you know, how do you get a client? It's well, you just ask, you know, mm-hmm. do you remember your dreams? If you remember your dreams, here's the struggle that I, that I think clients have. So if I'm going to tell you a story, like I just told you one of those dreams, right? Mm-hmm. And if I said to you, oh, she's in her car and then she met the snake and oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, she's walking down the path. It's like, that's a very fractured way of sort of telling a story, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaving parts out. I'm going back and forth and all that kind of stuff. So I beg clients, please write down your dreams because I need to be sitting in the movie theater next to you watching this story as it goes on. And if it's all over the place, you know, we're not going to like the movie very much and it's going to be hard to really work with it. And in that vein, what I will ask clients if, before they tell me a dream is, do you know anybody in the dream? 
And if you do, tell me about them now. And is there any place in the dream that you know of, you've been or is part of your history? Tell me about it now. So now we both, you know, sort of like reading the playbill before you see the, the play. Right. We, got all, we, we know what the setting is, and now we can actually experience the story. Because if we go back to the first dream that, that I talked to you about, it's the emotional arc that we want, right? Mm-hmm. The story is useful, but the emotions in the story are really going to tell the story, tell the tale, right? Mm-hmm. Because that woman could have met the snake and not been bothered at all and walked around it and kept going, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we don't know, cut the snake's head off and right. felt triumphant. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you just ask. That's all. Like now, else. in your experience, is there a difference between a one-off dream and recurrent themed dreams? Yeah, recurring dreams. I mean, I have recurring dreams, right? <laughs> and usually, you get a lot of recurring dreams. Mine tend to run like I, it's the last day of college and I discover I didn't take a course and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens is I will have that dream. Like I had that dream when I went to ICF Midwest, right? I, I've done a lot of webinars and stuff. I never presented at a conference. I did a lot of public speaking, but okay. Right. It just felt different. Yeah. Yeah. So I have that dream. And that dream is basically saying, this is what you think may happen. This could be a complete and total disaster. And that lives in you. And we're just pointing that out again because you're about to go do something that's new for you, okay? And so is that useful? One could say it's useful from the standpoint that you need to be aware of your own sort of, I don't know, we call them inner critic or saboteurs or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've been on the planet long enough so that they don't bother me so much, but they're there, you know? Mm-hmm. I could screw it up if I'm not aware of that. That's one idea of a recurring dream. Another idea of a recurring dream is, you know, when your soul feels like you're just not getting this, you know, so it will come and come and come. It's not, it's, it won't give up. You know, that's the amazing thing about the soul. The rest of us will say enough already. I'm done. But the, your soul is relentless. So there are times like the snake dream. Once she formed a relationship with a snake, she stopped having dreams about snakes. She didn't need to anymore because she had recognized that aspect of herself and, and integrated it. And so that's another reason the soul will keep coming back with a theme. And, and this, I think, is really the downfall of the analytic model is that when you interpret the snake in that case, you don't need a snake anymore. You don't need to dream anymore. You've got your interpretation. You're going to work on your personality, whatever you're going to do with it, right? But if we look back past the sort of early 20th century analytic model as it grew, dreams really were part of pretty much every culture. They were not seen as something weird or separate or don't pay any attention to it or whatever, mm-hmm. or that you needed an expert to tell you what it meant. Dreams are brought to the group in the Sufi tradition and the Native American tradition. You know, they're, they're integrated into the aspect of what it means to be alive. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, you know, in whatever small way I can, that's what I want to bring back to the coaching community as well, is that this is just a part of our clients' lives, you know, no more, no less. And it, it, but it's a valuable part and yeah. it doesn't need to be put under a basket and hidden away or, right. or ignored. Um, so a couple of the dreams that you talked about, you had your client engage with the dogs, you had your client engage with the snake. And so is that part of how you work with cl- clients around their dreams? And is that sort of an empowering thing? I don't, how do you see that? 
it's a technique and and so or it's a tool. And so it, it's a little difficult to answer your question in the sense that it's one of those, it depends. Right. So let me give you an example. Usually what happens is somebody, first time I have a session, somebody will come with a couple of dreams and we start with the one that has the most energy and we kind of get something going on there. And I'll say, okay, tell me another one. And, and that kind of begins to shape things. So normally I wouldn't, normally I wouldn't go into a dream with active imagination early on working, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we just want to listen. You know, unless I have somebody coming in like this woman with the snake dream saying, I always dream about snakes and blah, blah, blah. It was like, okay, let's figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. Why is the snake coming back? What's it trying to say to you? Or or how, more importantly, how is it trying to get you to know it, right? Because Mm -hmm. we often want to know, well, what does it have to tell me? Well, wait a minute. Why don't we find out who it is? Because it's you. Mm -hmm. It's an aspect of you. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the power of a snake and the context of this woman's life, she has this animal in her that has power. I mean, a snake is everything. A snake is, you know, transformative. It sheds its skin. A snake is devious. A snake, you know, you, you look it up in a book. It's got 12 different meanings. <laughs> so it's an aspect of who she is. And as she integrates that, that makes her, first of all, more whole and more powerful in herself. Mm-hmm. No longer something that's frightening her. It's her. Right? Well, more integrated then because that dream is not tearing her apart anymore. Not that it was necessarily tearing her apart, but but it's not frightening her. Yeah. yeah, it was frightening yeah. me. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So yes, a different. I can imagine that her dreams were then very different, as you said. Snakes quit showing yeah. up. It was and like a, a resolution. More, yeah, and and then what happens is your dream gets more specific. Like okay. If you're going to slow down and not be at everybody's whim, what does that mean? You know, what's this dynamic that's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and so then you begin to work on more sort of tactical issues. But the big picture is, you know, stop. Stop running around, you know, being frantic and being late and, and really being late and all that stuff. Yeah. Such fascinating, fascinating stuff. What haven't I asked you about dreams that you think the audience would really benefit from knowing? Well, I think so. Coaching, I think, has a couple of different aspects to it. One of them is what we would call goal-oriented coaching, right? And you see this a lot in executive coaching, you know, where a company pays money to have you come in and, and, and get somebody to function better. And people can come to us individually with issues about relationships or career or whatever, right? So that's in the, the assignments between the sessions really are probably more important even than the sessions, right? So that's that kind of work and it's real work and it's very beneficial, etc. When you work with a dream, a lot of times the assignments, if you will, are not necessarily goal oriented. And if we go back to my hedge fund guy with the dogs, mm-hmm. like he was just learning about dogs. That's what was going on, right? In his mind, this was not going to change his life, but it gave him pleasure. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed doing it. He enjoyed coming to sessions and talking about what he'd learned and you know, all that stuff, right? Because I think what happens with dreams, different from what I'm calling goal-oriented coaching, is that they take a little more time. They really sort of push you in a direction of, as I said earlier, building some infrastructure, and you don't know what for what, mm-hmm. right? And so that's something that you know not every coach is going to be comfortable with, and not every client is going to be comfortable with. I mean, if a client comes in and they say, you know, I want a better job, that's what they want. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you say, do you dream? They're going to go, I, I want a better job. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about dreams. And so, and that's real. The problem that we all know is the person getting a better job and discover, oh, I feel the same way I felt in the other job, you know, right. but they got to get the better job first. Right. So that's what we do. We meet our clients yeah. where they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, I think that's one of the key things is that mm-hmm. it's less, sometimes less specific, sometimes a lot of times I will say to people, you know, okay, so you came in the door of your house and you got angry. What happened on the sidewalk? We want to know what happened on the sidewalk. What were you thinking about on the sidewalk? So that might be the assignment is roll the tape back from the time you got what Ann would call an amygdala hijack. Mm-hmm. What was going on? Because that's going to give us some sense of what makes you frightened and then angry. Now, that's not a goal-oriented assignment, right? That's, let's try and figure out what's going on here assignment kind of thing. And that's really what dream work is more about, I think. Yeah. Excellent. I do want to make a note. A couple times, Will has mentioned Anne. Anne is your partner. Anne Betts is a coach who specializes in neuroscience. And lo and behold, if her interview isn't coming up in just a couple weeks after this interview. So (laughs) definitely, I want I wanted people to be aware of that because she, she is a plethora of information as well mm-hmm. and also didn't want people to think, who's Anne? Right. So, Sorry. I, oh, no, yeah. no, it's excellent. So, Will, if people are fascinated with this, and I'm certain that many of people in the audience are, are fascinated with this, how can they learn more and learn more about you and the work you do and the work you do with coaches? Well, The easiest way is to go on my website, which is my name, willsharon.com. There are really three things I do. Obviously, I work individually, you know, with clients, some of whom are coaches. I do an individual practicum with a coach for six weeks where they, it's one-on-one, but they bring their dreams and we work with dream principles. And then the primary way for coaches to learn more is I teach a course. It's a six-week virtual course. And the last one this year starts October 16th. So there's one coming up. There's one coming up. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's it's limited to 12 people. It's half full at this point, which is Ooh. is a surprise for me at this early date, but I'm gratified by that. There we really go through the whole process because I, I think one of the things that that coaches may not be aware of is they already have the tools to work with dreams. They just do, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, you ask questions. It's the same drill. It's just a movie versus, you know, some interaction in an office or or wherever, you know, that somebody's bringing in. And I, I always try to emphasize that. And as we go through and understand how to listen to a dream, et cetera, it becomes very clear, I think, to people in the course that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm already trained in this. This is just a slightly different avenue. I have to pay attention a little differently, but otherwise you got it already. Wow. And that's powerful right there. Um, we have we have it within us. But you can help coaches learn what to listen for, what to ask how to, to add this particular technique and strategy to their work with clients. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, for bringing your specialty forward and adding that additional piece of wisdom to the world of coaching. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Meg. If The work that Will does really resonated with you. I encourage you to check out the link on the resource page at starcoachshow.com 
and consider the training that, that he's doing around really leveraging our clients' inner wisdom through working through their dreams in the coaching sessions. To know more about Will Sharon or his course, go to starcoachshow.com. On the resource page, you will find his information. If you are enjoying the Star Coach Show, and I certainly hope that you are, if you would be willing to leave a rate and review on iTunes, I would be so appreciative. It helps more people know about the show. In addition to that, share the show if you know of somebody who would appreciate the wisdom that's being shared, help them be stronger coaches, or maybe there's a subject in an episode that a person, even a person who might not be a coach would benefit from, then I would appreciate you sharing the show with them. Now, the other thing before we go today that I want to be sure that you remember is that we have an ongoing book giveaway at the Star Coach Show. And our current book is VUCA Tools for a VUCA World by Ann Deaton and... I encourage you to go to the Contact Me page at the StarCoachShow.com website and sign up for the book giveaway. So this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. We will see you next week for our 100th episode. Enjoy your week.